Locals know the STN Sports app is the most trusted sports betting app in Nevada. They have convenient sign-up locations across Las Vegas. So download the STN Sports app today. Download and get a bonus up to $500 when you sign up at any of our convenient locations. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for Vegas Nation and Blue Wire Network. Vegas Nation sponsored by Station Casino's STN Sports. Download the app and get a bonus up to $500 when you sign up. You're listening to Vegas Nation. Time to get it started with First and Ten with Vinny Bonsignor and Sam Gordon. What's good, Raider fans? Welcome to Vegas Nation First and Ten, your weekly Raiders go-to for news and analysis. A little bit of fun um, and a little bit of looking ahead before we bring in uh, my great partner, uh, Sam Gordon, uh, also with the Las Vegas Review Journal, uh, Vegas Nation, the app, VegasNation.com. You can read all of our stuff, look at all our videos and photos and podcasts and all that good stuff. I uh, just want to let you know uh, that First and Ten is brought to you by the Las Vegas Review Journal and presented by Blue Wire and Tick Pick. Sam, the Raiders are 2-0. and I don't think many people uh, would have predicted that. Certainly not the odds makers. Uh, the Raiders were decided underdogs uh, against the, both the Baltimore Ravens and Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, yet here they are, 2-0. Uh, and I'm not necessarily shocked or, or surprised, uh, but what about you? Yeah, Vinny, uh, a little surprised. I think not necessarily surprised in the improvements that we saw because we know that the Raiders made, uh, made an effort to improve the pass rush, to improve the secondary, to make improvements on all three levels of defense and whatnot. But what I'm more surprised at is look, Baltimore is really good. Baltimore just beat Kansas City on Sunday Night Football. Pittsburgh is good. Pittsburgh went into Buffalo week one, a team in Buffalo that we thought was going to be one of the best teams in the AFC, a Super Bowl contender, and handled business. And the, the Raiders, quite frankly, handled Pittsburgh in Heinz Field. I thought they were in control of that game for a majority of the four quarters. And never once they, once they took that two-score lead in the third quarter, it really felt like they were in firm control. And the fact that they not only showcased these improvements, but did so against two of the better teams in the AFC is what I'm super impressed by. Didn't necessarily expect that. Uh, but but it's it's good to see the, uh, the the investments that the coaching staff and the front office made in this defense paying off because uh, this is a well-rounded football team now. We couldn't we weren't able to say that last couple of years. Yeah, no question about it. And I, and I think that you know from the Raiders' perspective, uh, I think that they believe they're every bit as good as the Baltimore Ravens. Can't sit here and say they're better. They're the better team decidedly uh, than, than the Baltimore Ravens. You know, I think if both of those two teams played ten times, uh, I think you might get like a five and five kind of an outcome. Um, you know, depending on where it is and, and all that type of stuff where the game is being played. But I do think they believe that they're the better team than Pittsburgh Steelers. And, and I tend to agree. Uh, I felt like the Raiders were, were frankly the better team going into that game, injuries and all. Uh, I felt like if that pass rush uh, that they that they flashed against the Baltimore Ravens carried with them to Pittsburgh, and there was no reason to think that it wouldn't, uh, would have the desired effect uh, against a quarterback that's far less mobile than Lamar Jackson in, in Big Ben. And nothing against Big Ben, uh, but I think he's seen his better days. I think there was there were opportunities there to get to him and to force some turnovers. That's exactly what happened. Uh, but the long and short of it is uh, this is a better Raiders team than it has yeah. been in the past. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously they need to keep it going. Uh, but there's some some pretty good signs pointing in the right direction uh, for them. And first and foremost is a defense that they can rely on, at least through the first two games. I don't really expect that uh, to deviate much uh, as long as that group stays healthy. But when you think of it this way, uh, uh, Sam, 
Monday night against the Baltimore Ravens, the offense started slow. Uh, It looked a little bit rusty. It looked a little bit rushed uh, for whatever reason. And even though they fell into a 14 to nothing hole in a couple couple years ago, last year, that might have been a 21 to nothing hole, 28 to nothing hole uh, by the time the offense got it together. But they kept it within striking distance and the Raiders worked their way back. uh, And then from from that from that point on, they were pretty much the better team in that game against the Baltimore Ravens. Then Sunday against the Pittsburgh Steelers, kind of the same situation. Uh, the The offense was playing well and definitely better early on, but they weren't cashing in uh, on touchdowns uh, in their visits to the red, do- red zone, had to settle for three early field goals. Again, in years past, that might have been a recipe for disaster because I don't think the Raiders could have expected their defense uh, last year to hold it down until the offense started getting a little bit more polished in the red zone and started scoring touchdowns rather than field goals. So that, to me, um, is really the biggest difference uh, between last year. The the comfort level that that offense has and John Gruden and Derek Carr and everybody else has in a defense that is holding up its end of the bargain. Well, finally, the the offense, Derek Carr gets to go out there and lead a unit where there's not a ton of pressure to just put seven points on the board every single time, right? He knows that the defense not only is going to, you know, has a chance to, you know, good chance to get a stop now and to force a punt because they've forced several punts so far um, through the first two weeks, but, you know, maybe a turnover or two. And and that's, I think, one of the big things is this defense has been more opportunistic. You, you get the interception of Ben Roethlisberger, you force two fumbles and recover them both against Lamar Jackson. All those plays crucial, Vinny, in my opinion, in, in kind of changing the outcome of those respective games or flipping the energy in, in those respective games. So, uh, like you said, I think when you take a look at the personnel that they've brought in across all three levels on this defense and along with Gus Bradley uh, and, and his influence, it, it's not it's not crazy to, to, to see why this defense has turned things around. And, and, and Baltimore, I think, is going to be one of the best offensive teams in the league all year. The Raiders held up their end of the bargain defensively in that game. And then Pittsburgh, uh, I mean, Pittsburgh was an explosive offense last year. And like you said, Ben Roethlisberger is not what he was, but he's still flanked by several big-time receivers. And there is a, a cohesion there through years of playing together uh, that, that the Raiders – quite frankly, shut down. They shut down the run. They, they were they were good rushing the passer. So this, to me, feels like a sustainable thing, you know, moving forward without question. Um, there's there's no doubt in my mind um, that, that this defense is going to be an improved unit throughout the course of the year. Now, is it going to continue to dominate like this week and week, and week out? I'm not sure. But it's it's shown enough to me through two weeks that this isn't it's, – it's far from the bottom three unit we saw last year. This is a very strong unit uh, that, that should at the very least be in the middle of the pack throughout the course of the season, maybe better. Yeah, and you know, uh, uh, communicated with some people uh, after that game on Sunday, um, and and the the one of the cons- the general consensus, one of the things that stood out to me at least in terms of the responses that I was getting was um, how good the Raiders feel about the fact that it's not just one or two guys that are contributing. It is across the board. When you talk about Casey Hayward, what he's been able to do uh, at one cornerback position, Trayvon Mullen being a good, solid football player at the other. Um, Denzel Perryman is playing lights out middle linebacker. Uh, the defensive line, obviously, Max Crosby and Unique Ngakwe are among the best in the NFL in getting pressure on the quarterback. Um, you know, Trayvon Morig is is starting to, you know, settle it down uh, a, a little bit. So uh, um, Corey Littleton is is having a much better first part of the season than he did last year uh, without without question. You look at a, a Quinton Jefferson, you look at a Solomon Thomas, who when, you know, 
some attention was being more attention was being paid to Max Crosby and Unique Ngakwe wasn't hundred percent. All of a sudden, Solomon Thomas steps up with two sacks when the, when the Raiders, you know, absolutely needed it. Darius Phylon is playing good, so that's what's 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 really um, standing out to within the Raiders is just how many Raiders are actually stepping up and contributing. And that's a good sign that when you could go into a game and be able to rely on a bunch of guys, not just uh, one or two guys. Yeah. It speaks. I mean, this is a deeper, a deeper defense, Vinny, deeper on a defensive line, deeper now linebacker, deeper in the secondary. And I think it starts at this juncture. It has to, it has to start with the defensive line, right? I think, you get a pass rush. You're able to be formidable against the run, uh, in which the Raiders have, have have certainly against Pittsburgh. They were able to do that. Baltimore, of course, with their running game, a little different story. But you've seen a pass rush and a run defense emerge in both games, and that starts with the defensive line. Against the defensive line, makes the job of the linebackers easier, makes the job of the secondary easier on the back end. So the depth across the defensive line, like you said, of Solomon Thomas making plays. We know what Max Crosby is. I think he's really, and you've touched on it several times, but he coming into his own, not only with his tangibles, with the production he's giving you, but with the intangibles emerging as a leader on the defense. Carl Nassib, I think, has been productive through his two games, making an impact, getting a lot of snaps out there on Sunday and then of course having the the game the you know the biggest play of the game in the Monday night game. So the, the the fact that there's so much more depth, I mean this is I think what the vision that Gus Bradley has. You have depth on, on all three levels. You're able to rotate players in, keep guys fresh, and as a result, you're able to have a formidable unit throughout the course of four quarters that's able to make plays at the end of games as well as the beginning of games. And uh, frankly, it's, it's it's impressive to see how quickly this thing uh, feels like it's turned around. The Raiders are the first team since 1966 uh, to start a season two and zero while playing two teams that went to the playoffs uh, the year before. Uh, and dig a little bit deeper, they are now seventh in the league in scoring offense and twelfth uh, in the league in points given up. Those are, if that's sustainable, then this is a playoff team flat out. This will be a For playoff sure. team. Uh, if they can, if they can maintain those levels uh, of of play, uh, and 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 we'll see. Now, offensively, uh, you know, we talked Sam last week about how you know Derek Carr started settling in a little bit with Brian Edwards and and you know Henry Ruggs uh, late in the game against the Baltimore Ravens. Both of those players kind of came alive a little bit. We felt like there was a chance that can carry over uh, into Sunday's game against the Pittsburgh Steelers, and it certainly did. Uh, Henry Ruggs has a big game. Brian Edwards had a heady game. Uh, It wasn't big on numbers, but there were a couple of important uh, passes that he caught. Uh, Hunter Renfro obviously doing his thing, um, where Derek may have forced the ball a little bit into uh, Darren Waller on Monday night against the Baltimore Ravens. He was much more balanced in how he spread the ball around against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, So, uh, uh, Good signs uh, in that regard in the in the passing attack, and specifically as it relates to Henry Ruggs, you know, he goes over a hundred yards in catches. Obviously, has the big sixty-one yard touchdown uh, reception that that kind of put the game away. Uh, but I think you're starting to see now the thought process behind drafting him twelfth uh, overall in in 2020 and having him as a real offset to Darren Waller and in addition to also having Hunter Renfro and I think Brian Edwards is is emerging as a pretty good wide receiver too but that dynamic of the various skill sets one you know with with with, uh, Henry being a a speed guy and Darren Waller being just a physical freak it makes sense though the pieces of that puzzle are starting to fit perfectly. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You're seeing a well-rounded receiving core with with Hunter Renfro and Brian Edwards doing their thing. You know, they can both get down the field, but kind of in those possession roles uh, as well. So it's it's been a, a really cohesive um, performance so far through two games in the passing game 
uh, Vinny, I, you, you got to give Derek Carr his flowers, right? And and you did, you certainly did so um, with a story this week. I thought his performance Sunday was a virtuoso. I mean, down three offensive linemen, three starting offensive linemen, no running game to speak of, and to complete more than 75% of the pa- set of his passes, the big-time throws he was making against that defense, a very good defense. On the road, again, no support from the running game, backup offensive linemen in the game. He was tremendous. He was absolutely tremendous. And like you said, I think you're seeing a maturity from these young receivers. And, and again, I want to go back to a point we make all the time on this pod. And he, guys, develop, young players develop at different speeds, right? Just because Justin Jefferson came in the NFL ready year one to, to be a difference maker doesn't mean Henry Ruggs wasn't, a, wasn't going to develop into a very good receiver at some point in time. It's just that he wasn't quite as NFL ready. He has the experience last year. You get reps. You have you have film now. You have an understanding of ways you can grow. And through two games, it wasn't just week two that he made an impact. But he had a huge catch in week one to set up a touchdown against Baltimore as the Raiders were mounting their comeback as well. So I think this this unit is the, the offensive unit, the skill position players. There's more. They're more refined. There's more polish there. And you're seeing, I think, Derek Carr really develop trust uh, in these young receivers, he started to trust these guys the same way he trusts Darren Waller. Maybe not quite the same way, but you get what I'm saying. There's yeah. there's a, a trust there with these guys on the perimeter that, like you said, they can balance what Darren Waller's doing, and it's it, it's in a, it has the makings of a of another um, explosive unit. It's certainly been that to this point, and like you said, if they sustain this kind of offensive production and get this help on, on the defensive side of the ball. Um, this is certainly a player playoff caliber offense again, especially one we think is going to get better as that offensive line gets healthy and that running game starts to come around. Now it's that time of the week where we are joined by Chuck Esposito, director of race and sports for Station Casinos. Chuck joins us every week here on First and Ten to talk about the Raiders, the Vegas betting landscape, and all things sports. Chuck, how you doing? I'm doing great, Sam. It was a great week too. I mean, if you're a Raider fan, you are pumped up. After two weeks of football, I think the entire AFC West is upside down. If somebody asked you who are the two teams that would be undefeated, you'd be saying Chiefs and Chargers, not Raiders and Broncos. But the Raiders are 2-0, and and they're looking good heading into week three. Yes, they certainly are, Chuck. Another good week uh, for the underdogs following up on what was a very successful week one for the underdogs. The Raiders, of course, 2-0 and uh, overall and against the spread. Have you seen enough, Chuck, from this team, from Derek Carr, from this defense where you think this could be this kind of play, I'm not, not saying they're going to win every game, but that, that this is this who they are, a good defensive team that can rely on their quarterback to make big plays in big spots? It's so early, Sam, it's hard to tell, but I think it's encouraging. I mean, they played really well week one, um, were able to contain Lamar Jackson. Uh, they celebrated after that game. And I know we talked about it. You know, like they had won you know, a playoff game or the Super Bowl. Um, it was crazy. The new black hole Raider nation. Then you travel across country to play against a team that just had beaten what most people think might be the best team in the league in the Buffalo bills in Buffalo. Yet they pretty much dominated that game in Pittsburgh. So I think it's a good sign to see that defense play. Well, I think it's good that you had guys like Edwards and rugs step, step up. Uh, Waller had a fair game. I mean, he was targeted a lot didn't get into the end zone. They had no Jacobs. They were beat up on the offensive line. So I think it's encouraging at this point. You're only two weeks in, um, but, you know, they need to take care of business at home. We talked about that last year, just two and six at home. They won their home opener. If they can win Sunday against Miami, they will have equaled what they did last year at home with two victories. So these home games for me become critical for the Raiders later in the season. You have to take care of business when you play at home. And I think that was their Achilles heel last year going two and six on the road and really sputtering down the stretch. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that that is huge. They do have an opportunity to come back at home against Miami Dolphins where they're a four-point favorite against Miami. Quarterback questions on the Dolphins' side. How much did that how much does that affect this line knowing that Tua Tagovailoa might not, you know, we don't know exactly where he's at with his health after the injury. It's definitely a few point adjustment. I think you'd see the, the Raiders, you know, more like three, maybe a little bit underneath that. If Tua was playing cars also banged up and we still don't know the, the status of Jacobs. I mean, I, I think Carr will play uh, for sure in this game. Not sure about Tua, although a little bit more optimistic now than I was say, uh, 24 hours ago that he could play, but it definitely impacts it. These two teams played last year in a game that came right down to the wire. Um, you know, basically the last play of the game for a Miami win. So, I mean, these two teams have a little history, but, but I do think Carr will play and a little bit more optimistic about Tua, but not a hundred percent yet. Um, and I think that's why you see the number where it is now over a field goal. A couple more week two results I want to get to. Dallas goes on the road uh, to L.A., escapes with the 2017 victory. This, to me, felt like more of a game that the Chargers gave away more than an impressive Dallas victory. What do you make of the Cowboys and Chargers early on as this season is getting started, both teams with hopes for improvement after disappointing 2020 season? Yeah, I mean, in the Chargers case, first two really close games, they could be 2-0, and they could be 0-2. Uh, I think that there's a little bit of tape out there now on on Justin Herbert and teams are making adjustments, but there was kind of a bad call late in that game. They had the touchdown call back. Um, then they had the kind of the grounding call, which it looked like he was trying to get rid of it. And I thought that was a bad call, but it's still again, really early in the season. I like the balance they have. They're playing better defensively, but it's still the charger team that over the last couple of years has lost more games by one score than any team in football. Um, looking at Dallas, the public was on them. They backed them last week on the money line, thinking they could go in there and win the game. It was an ugly win. They didn't put up a ton of points. The game stayed under, which was good for our side of the counter. Um, but, hey, they're one and one now after starting the season with back-to-back -back road games. They come home to play a primetime game on Monday night football against division rivals, the Philadelphia Eagles, who are also one and one. But I was impressed that Dallas could win a kind of an ugly game, not having to score 40 points in that game to win it against an offense that is pretty prolific. Uh, you know, was at least last year. And, and we expect the Chargers to be again this year. Certainly, certainly. And then another matchup, another result. I was, I was a little perplexed by Chuck. Tennessee, after you know, laying an egg against Arizona in the season opener, goes on the road to Seattle as an underdog and, and comes back in the second half to beat the Seahawks. Is this more about, is, are you more optimistic about Tennessee or more pessimistic about Seattle seeing them cough up this lead in a situation like that? I think it's a combination of both, Sam. I think when you look at Tennessee, it was kind of a must win. I know they play in arguably maybe one of the easier divisions in football. I think it's the AFC South and the NFC North, which both uh, you may have a team that has nine wins that that wins the division. Um, I think it's a product of, of Vrabel. It's being their coach, you know, and saying, hey, we have to make some adjustments in the locker room. We have to come back. Derrick Henry got on track and really was the difference maker in that game. Julio Jones had a, had a good game, too. Um, so I think it's a Tennessee team that we know is a good team. We know can run the ball. They're not used to playing from behind. So it was kind of an early season statement win for them. With Seattle, knowing that the other three teams in their division, which I think is the toughest division of football, all win that day, it's kind of a bad loss because they let one get away at home. I still think they're really good. You can make a case that Russ is going to be in the conversation for MVP this year. They're a really good team, but that's a bad loss at home because it's going to be tough in that division. I mean, I don't think you're going to get, you know, all four aren't going to make the playoffs. So you have to take care of business at home, but I'm not overly worried about them, especially on the offensive side. Again, you're only two weeks in, but a huge win, I think, for Tennessee. 
the, the games continue. Week three, the NFL schedule, we're starting to figure out who these teams are. Their identities are starting to take shape, and we are going to be here every week to talk about it with Chuck Esposito. Chuck, thank you again uh, for your time. We really appreciate it, and we look forward to checking in with you uh, after next week's slate of games because, as you know, something crazy always happens in the NFL. Cannot wait to break it down with you next week. Uh, it's definitely from week to week, Sam. No question about it. You know, uh, Expect the unexpected, but thanks again. I look forward to chatting with you next week. Locals know the STN Sports app is the most trusted sports betting app in Nevada. They have convenient sign-up locations across Las Vegas. So download the STN Sports app today. Download and get a bonus up to $500 when you sign up at any of our convenient locations. Raiders football is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Raiders tickets anymore. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. We know Raider Nation is psyched about the games taking place at Allegiant Stadium this year and on the road. Raider Nation is everywhere, so TickPick has you covered. Make sure to check it out, visit TickPick.com slash VegasNation and use the promo code VegasNation to save $10 on your first order of Raiders tickets. Uh, give John Gruden some credit. I thought he's been dialing up uh, some, some great formations, some great um, you know personnel packages, some great plays. Uh, and I really like what they were able to do with their multiple tight end set, uh, especially now with Foster Moreau. Uh, taking a big step forward himself, um, you know, now fully healthy, now fully immersed, immersed in this offense. Uh, I was talking to Dan Orlovsky uh, yesterday for the story that I did on Derek Carr, and you could go read that story uh, on the on the Vegas Nation app or or just go to uh, VegasNation.com on the computer. Um, and, and one of the things that he was pointing out to me is that three tight end set that the Raiders now have um, with you know, Darren Waller with um, Foster Moreau and with, with Derek Carrier is so potent. Um, and there's not many teams. And as he said to me, you can't just ask guys to go defend horses like that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you, 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 can't, you can't just go find guys that are able to match up with that power and that physicality. And it's something that the Raiders are going to be able to run out of. And we've seen now how they're, they're able to throw out of it. Uh, they're also able to help um, you know, Alex Leatherwood a little bit um, in terms of the blocking on, on passes uh, because you've got an extra blocker, basically, uh, whether it's Carrier or Foster or, or Darren Waller, depending on you know whose number gets called in that regard. But the matchup um, uh, issues that the Raiders can create with not just Darren Waller, but uh, Foster Moreau emerging now as a, as a legit threat downfield. Not many teams have that kind of personnel and uh, even less have the defensive defensive personnel to be able to match up well it feels like when when they go to that when they go to that formation when they go to those sets that somebody's always going to be wide open down the field and and that's what we've seen so far through two games and and you know credit to Derek Carr he's in total command of that offense right now but yeah from a personal from a personnel standpoint uh it just kind of showcases the versatility in this offense you can go big and have three tight ends and still get plays down the field and like you said there's support there on the run or you can go small and have your speed out there on the field as we've seen the Raiders do multiple times so uh, this offense is evolving it's evolving before our eyes and and we're again seeing a quarterback um, right now who is in his prime in total command of the passing game you know playing really as two to a 
as good of any two game stretch as you could possibly put together given the, the circumstances. Uh, and again, a unit I expect that's only going to get better once once players continue to get healthy across that offensive front. So there's they can hurt you in multiple ways, and that's that is that's just in the passing game. That is without pretty much any semblance of a running game so far as the Raiders are averaging two point nine yards per carry. We expect that number to go up with more health, but I think this is going to be a really balanced offense when everybody's healthy. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned that. By no means is this perfect, and in a lot of ways, that's that's actually a positive sign more than anything because you figure. As the season goes on, uh, they're going to be able to get a little bit more healthier on the offensive line. Uh, young players like Andre James and Alex Leatherwood, you figure, um, are going to get better as the year goes on. That 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 offensive line uh, is going to gel and develop some chemistry and uh, some timing. It's not there yet. That's obvious. Uh, there were too many plays on Sunday uh, and on Monday where running backs were getting hit behind the line of scrimmage. They've got to get that squared away. I think better health and more uh, development uh, will go a long way uh, toward that on on the other hand as well um you know there's there's injuries to richie incognito not quite sure when or if uh richie will be back we'll see about all that alex leatherwood dealing with the back strain don't know what his status is uh for sunday's game against the miami dolphins it doesn't look like josh jacobs uh, will be back uh for sunday and you know i think the raiders are gonna have to really stay on top of that toe injury that he's dealing with and make sure it gets right to the point where it's going to be something that's behind him and rather than something that he has to continually deal with. I don't know if they're going to be able to get to that point. Toe injuries can be pretty tricky, especially with uh, running backs, uh, but uh, they're going to take their time with their running back, especially as they win football games in the process and try to make sure that it's something that they can really uh, put himself, put some distance between himself and that injury. We'll see if it goes that goes that way. But without question, um, uh, Sam, they've got to get a better running game because that's really the foundation of what John Gruden likes to do. And if they can uh, put that component in place, this offense is going to be that much better. Hundred percent. And and Derek Carr, they've been asking him to do a lot so far through these two games and he's been more than up to the task again I thought a virtuoso performance on Sunday given the context given the setting given the injuries he's dealing with but throughout the course of a 17 game season like you don't want to have to have to have him throw 40 times a game and have to be on top of his game to to, to, to earn a victory um, every week so it's I think it is crucial to get at least a semblance of a running game going I'm not saying you have to have 150 yards on the ground every game but but right now um, just with the efficiency the 2.9 yards per carry is not there and of course, the volume isn't there either. It felt like on, on Sunday, Vinny, that the Raiders, you know, didn't even really try to establish the run, kind of knowing where they were at um, with their health and, and with their personnel. So once that thing gets back on track, uh, I think there's this offense, of course, has another another gear to get to. Um, and that starts, you know, like you said, we're getting Josh Jacobs healthy and then getting healthy across that offensive line as well. As my grandmother used to always say, sometimes you got to make the sauce. Um, you got to you got to make do with what you got in the cabinet. And um, so uh, and maybe the maybe the tomatoes aren't as ripe as they uh, normally are. You got to make do. You got to figure it out uh, and still come up with a great sauce <laughs> to go over that spaghetti and the, and the meatballs and everything. So with the Raiders uh, where they are right now, um, I think John Gruden is astute enough and smart enough to understand like hey i only got a certain amount of things in that cupboard right now i got to cook up a winning offensive recipe to deal with what we're working with um so that's his perspective of if i got to throw it 57 times 
got to throw it 57 times. The point of the, this whole thing is to win football games, and, and he's looking at it from that perspective. So I figure that that's going to change as more <laughs> ingredients start, uh, start as, he, as he goes shopping uh, over at the store and, and things start to ripen a little bit more. Um, he'll, he'll have more to work with. But right now, you got to do what you got to do, and that's what the Raiders are doing uh, offensively. All right, so we look ahead uh, real quick to the Miami Dolphins. Um, uh, Tua is not uh, it has been ruled out with fractured ribs. Uh, hate to see that. Would have loved to have se- seen uh, uh, Tua at Allegiant Stadium uh, doing his thing. And, and you know, uh, but that's not going to be the case. Um, the Raiders are facing, uh, it looks like Jacoby uh, Brissett is going to be the quarterback um, uh, of the Miami Dolphins come Sunday. Any thoughts on uh, Jacoby uh, behind uh, uh, behind center and what the Raiders are going to be dealing with him? Yeah, I, I mean, Jacoby Brissett, quality, quality backup quarterback uh, in the NFL. He's proven that throughout the course of his career, multiple stops in New England, of course, the Colts, and, and, then, and then here with Miami. But when I look at his offense, Vinny, 17 points through two games, uh, there's just not a ton of firepower um, here with this offense, and that was even with with Tua Tagovailoa as well as their starting quarterback. There's just there's just not a lot of oomph, and that sets the Raiders up for what should be another uh, another good defensive day uh, at Allegiant Stadium. I expect them to try and get after Jacoby Brissett with their pass rush. Um, you know, while still while still staying in, in their coverage responsibilities down the field, um, like. The, 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 there's no uh, there's no real running game to speak of in Miami either right now so far through two games 43 rushing attempts 145 yards they're averaging 3.4 yards per carry so it's not like they're super dynamic on the ground they do have some good skill position players I think Devontae Parker's a quality wide receiver Jalen Waddle um, so far 109 yards and a touchdown 10 catches so far as a rookie the the, the speed shot of Alabama um, but but when I just look at this team especially without Tua I don't see a lot of firepower on offense. I think it's gonna. I think they're gonna have a hard time. Um, they they certainly don't want to get in a shootout with the Raiders. I'll tell you that. So uh, I think they're gonna try and come in here and keep this this game relatively low scoring. So it's a good coaching staff, good defensive staff that that seems to scheme up pretty well, um, especially defensively. So I think they're gonna have a good defensive game plan. But I just don't see how they're gonna be able to keep pace with, with the Raiders offense, especially with their injuries. Got all the respect in the world for uh, uh, Brian Flores. But, you know, sometimes when you bring in a defensive coach, uh, the team is going to reflect uh, who that head coach is. And right now, there's no question that that defense is far, far, far ahead uh, of the offense. And what's troublesome about that is... In today's NFL, in today's football world, you got to score points to win football games. Um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm stating the obvious, but I mean, you got to really be able to put pressure on defenses. You got to be able to score in multiple ways. You have to be able uh, to produce dynamically, uh, offensively. And right now, even with Tua, the Miami Dolphins are are far from that uh, kind of a kind of a team. So uh, now it does set up. The possibility of maybe the Raiders overlooking the Miami Dolphins coming off two emotional wins uh, against two really good football teams. You got the Chargers coming up next week on Monday night uh, in Los Angeles, and the Raiders are fired up about that. But the sense that I get in talking to people is I don't think the Raiders truly believe they've done squat. They are a comfort, you know, a very confident football team without question. But in the whole scheme of things, they will tell you they haven't done squat to go overlooking uh, anybody. I don't get the sense with the leadership that's in place in that locker room, the hunger that a lot of players that have been hit around here for a little while uh, that have lost and things haven't worked out and the bitter taste that that's left in, in a lot of players' minds that 
um, or mouths who were accustomed to winning in college and come here to the NFL and they're losing way more than they ever did in college. They're fed up with all that. So I don't really get the sense that they're, that they're going to overlook Miami uh, because they feel like they're all that. I feel like they want more uh, and they're determined to get more and they're frustrated over what's happened these last t- couple of years. So I'd be shocked if the Raiders didn't come out, um, you know, fired up on, on Sunday. And I'll add this too. Um, we saw what that crowd was all about at Allegiant Stadium on Monday night. Now that the Raiders have given their fans something to really be excited about, and, and I know that you talk to you know folks with Raider Nation and you know our readers and and our, and our listeners to the podcast and people that reach out to us uh, asking questions and wanting to get you know the the, the behind the scenes look of, of things. I sense a renewed level of not just excitement for this team, but but a little bit of confidence that's coming now from a battered fan base that has been frustrated and 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 uh, kind of scorned for 20 years or so and, and been let down for 20 years or so. I think Raider Nation and the fans that are going to be at Allegiant Stadium based off what's happened these last two weeks are going to be eager and excited to kind of play their part now. And I think they feel like, hey, uh, we've got a chance to maybe impact some games now for a good team. And so I'm curious to see what that what that atmosphere is going to look like uh, for um, uh, at Allegiant Stadium amongst a bunch of fans that are now excited about what their team is all about. I mean, if there's anything, I mean, that, that atmosphere on Monday night, Vinny, was second to none. I mean, just that, that was years of excitement and anticipation. And that was, frankly, like a celebration of football here in Las Vegas. At least that's what I what I felt. And I think we're going to we're going to be in for an entire um, slate of home games like that throughout the course of the season. And let's not forget, Vinny, in terms of, like you said, in terms of the Raiders not overlooking Miami, let's not forget what happened last year between these two teams uh, with with the way Miami beat the Raiders. You, I, I don't think that the Raiders forgot about losing that losing that game and how they lost it. I think I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I don't think they're they're overlooking this Miami team at all. I think there's a uh, there's a, a motivation here, like you said, a sense of, of focus of hunger from this group, and and they know they've started out two and zero last year too. Like like you said, starting out two and zero is nice, but it doesn't necessarily mean anything. So it's about continuing to string together good play. Um, continuing to, to, to pile up victories, especially at this point in the season um, when, when they are off to a good start and, and Miami presents an opportunity to go secure another one, especially given the injuries that they're dealing with. So I think it's going to be a great atmosphere, uh, a great, you know, another another great game. And the Raiders are in prime position to move to three and zero and really um, solidify themselves so far at this point in the, in the NFL season. And no matter what happens, good, bad or indifferent. Sam and I will be uh, here on Monday uh, or early next week uh, to talk about it and analyze it and put it all in perspective. Until then, I want to say thanks to uh, all of our listeners. You're why we do this. Uh, and we're, we're honored uh, and humbled uh, to, to, to do that for you guys. Thank you for listening. The numbers are great. We really appreciate it. The numbers uh, on all the clicks and, and the stories that we're doing and all the videos and podcasts and, and uh, photos that we're putting online. Uh, you guys are responding and we truly appreciate it. And, and we thank you for trusting us uh, to do that, to do that job. Um, Sam, thank you so much uh, for, for everything that you do. You know how I feel about you. Larry Muir, our great uh, producer. Thanks for the uh, flexibility and hopefully everything is working out with the dog. Um, but uh, appreciate uh, everything that you do. Uh, until next week, have a great weekend. Enjoy the game on Sunday and we'll be back to talk about it early next week. Locals know the STN Sports app is the most trusted sports betting app in Nevada. They have convenient sign-up locations across Las Vegas. So download the STN Sports app today. Download and get a bonus up to $500 when you sign up at any of our convenient locations.